what is Ben Wyatt's favorite beer? Answer at the end of the episode. Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee. Hello. Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast that once had a format, but when that format got stale, things were changed up a little. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you. This is episode number 31, being recorded Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Today, I will be discussing season seven, episode four, Leslie and Ron, which is our number six. Uh, sorry, which is number six on our top 10 list of favorite Parks and Rec episodes. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast, as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you find your podcast now. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share. All right, let's start off with some filler. Uh, first off, Parks Rec Memes Tournament Updates. I actually did not do one last week. Um, the last one I finished was Best Cold Open, which we covered on last week's episode. So since then, I have not done any new ones. However, I just started a new one for uh, Best Jerry Quote, which I put up last night. So if you want to head over to at Parks Rec Memes, go to the story section and go ahead and vote on your favorite Jerry Gergich quote. Okay. Let's do some coping, some Citizens of Pawnee in New Girl. For those unfamiliar, I am doing a New Girl watch through. I'm on the final season now, and what I've been doing every week is um, as I'm watching New Girl, I've been writing down any Citizens of Pawnee that are in that show, um, just because it's fun to talk about. So most recently, I saw Sue from Sue's Salads, if you'll recall. She actually played a couple different characters, I believe, on Parks and Rec, but um, most notably, she was Sue from Sue Salad because everyone hates her shop, especially Leslie. And then um, I don't know what her name is on Parks and Rec because she was literally in one episode, but she's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, Jillian, Jillian v Varmig. Ver I, I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry. But anyway, she is Schmidt's boss on New Girl. Uh, the really kind of cold, mean one. She was in one episode of Parks and Rec as a reporter. And again, I should have done the research more, but she asks Leslie a question. It's something like, you know, everyone's saying that you're doing a terrible job. And Leslie's like, who's who's saying that? And she's like, everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, that I again, I, that's the only episode she's in. But um, and then the last one, as actually at the last episode I watched last night, I was a, as I was falling asleep and woke back up. I noticed uh, Wendy Haverford was in an episode. Ja Jama Will Jama Williamson. I don't. It's either Jama or Jama. So anyway, um, and then actually speaking of New Girl, uh, like I said, I got onto season seven, which is the final season. I didn't know that New Girl did this, obviously, because I haven't seen it, but they copied. I don't want to say copied, but they did something very similar to a show uh, that I have a podcast for uh, called Parks and Recreation. So New Girl from season six into season seven did a three year time jump which I have no idea why they did that. Even on Parks and Rec at the time, I was kind of like, okay, I guess that's fine, you know, like something different. But New Girl did like almost the same thing, like Schmidt and Cece, uh, they had a baby. And now starting season seven, she's three years old. So 
Yeah, that's like what Parks and Rec did with um, Leslie and Ben's kids, uh, Sophie and uh, Sonia. Sorry, Sonia and uh, I don't know the other two. I always forget their names. But yeah, um, I just thought it was a little odd that they decided to do the same exact thing. So anyway, I'm still enjoying New Girl, though. I'm almost done with it. I'll give you my final thoughts probably in a couple of weeks when I uh, finish the show. Um. Just because this is mouse rat related, my two fantasy baseball teams are officially done. Both of them named mouse rat in one league. I took second place in the other league. I didn't. That's all I'll tell you. So um, and then my uh, fantasy football team just started and we got our asses kicked the first week because my whole team sucked. And um, yeah, like really, this is no one cares about this. Uh, So moving on to what if the MCU show. I loved last week's episode, which was what if zombies <laughs> awesome episode. And this, this is based on a comic book and it is basically the, the it's just what if the MCU was infected by zombies? So this episode took place right at the beginning of like when infinity war starts the movie, except uh, there's a, there's a zombie outbreak like Janet Van Dyne. When she went into the quantum realm, somehow got affected. They didn't say how, but they just said she caught a virus and she gave it to Hank Pym, who then brought it out and infected Captain America, I believe. And then it just went crazy from there. So anyway, if you're not watching What If on Disney Plus, you got to check it out. It's an awesome show. And the last thing I was going to talk about was just another quick movie review that I saw recently. Don't Breathe Part 2. Uh, this The first movie came out like five years ago. If you'll recall, I mean, it wasn't like a huge blockbuster, but it did pretty well, I believe, at the, the box office, and it got pretty good reviews. It was about um, the ex, I think he was a Marine or a Navy SEAL, but the guy's blind now, and he's got he's got like a, a small fortune. Well, actually not a small fortune. I think I guess they say he's a millionaire. So in the first episode, there's like all these these not all these there's like three of them but these uh these like thugs that are trying to break into his house to get his money and it turns out that he's just like a trained killer and it's like a house of terrors it's almost like home alone but um this guy he just like shuts all the lights off and then he's in his own actually he doesn't need to shut the lights off but he does it to screw with the people in the house because it doesn't matter to him so that's how he uh f's with them but uh the second movie here really didn't need to be made it's it's like obviously it it happens right after the first one ends. However, they don't acknowledge a lot of things about the first one that really should have like this guy that like, he's more of like an anti-hero in the second film. So it's weird that you're kind of rooting for him after you saw the first one. So again, this was a like, I don't know. I, when I first watched that, I was like, you know, this movie's okay. I'd give it like a six, but like the more and more I think about it, like how unnecessary the movie was and then how, yeah, you took, I mean, like, he wasn't an anti-hero in the first movie. He was he was a villain. Granted, his house was under attack, but then you find out he has like some horrible backstory going on, and there's a secret down in his basement that I won't get into right now. But if you want to check out Don't Breathe, the first one, I would say definitely check that out. And then if you want to see the second one, go ahead. If you liked it enough, there's similar movies and the action and all that kind of stuff, but the story for the second one is kind of dumb. So... Anyway, don't breathe too. Let's say I'd give it like a, eh, I'll be generous and give it a six. So, all right. So before I get into the breakdown of this episode, I'm just going to give you a couple, like I did last week, kind of give you some, um, just some random internet 
page some some uh, valid pages and their what how they ranked this episode, Leslie and Ron. In February 2020, Collider ranked this episode as their ninth favorite. In February of 2015, so this is when the show was still going on, or right around when it ended, IndieWire named it their second favorite episode. In April of this year, Variety had it as their fifth favorite, and IMDb has this as their fifth as well, with a 9.6 rating. Okay, let's jump into Season 7, Episode 4, Leslie and Ron, directed by Beth McCarthy Miller. Written by Greg Daniels and Michael Schur, it aired January 20th, 2015, to approximately 3.3 million viewers. All right, so uh, with the cold open, this one doesn't really have a cold open because the episode begins with, well, the episode right before this ends with to be continued. And then when they aired the episodes, they aired them back to back on TV. So it said to be continued. And then the next like script underneath right away said right now. And then it just kind of jumps into where the last episode left off. So the parks crew has managed to lock Leslie and Ron in the parks department office to hash out whatever their big disagreement was that led them to being enemies in the first place. So again, uh, in season seven, after they do a three year gap, like another show I was just talking about, for some reason, when it comes back, Leslie and Ron are enemies. And that was just shocking, I think, to everyone. And it was a nice callback to, I, I, I can't remember, it was a while back, though, an episode where R Leslie asked Ron, she's like, Ron, do you think we'll ever not be friends? And I think he says something like, that's impossible or whatever. So that was kind of funny when you look at this. And then when you go back and watch that episode, it's like, eh, that's not true. You will at some point. So anyway... Ben tells them that the doors are automatically locked and that they've taken Ron and Leslie's key cards and cell phones. The lock will not open until 8 a.m. the next morning or until they can convince Ben that they have made up. Phones and internet have also been disconnected and all City Hall employees have been instructed not to intervene. After Ben and the others start to leave, Jerry is told to stay back by Ron. He starts trying to convince Jerry to let them out and just as he is about to, April stops him as Leslie and Ron angrily yell, damn it, Jerry. Yeah, I know I keep saying Jerry, but actually, I'm sorry. They said, damn it, Terry, because in this one, his name's Terry, but I'm not going to call him that because that's stupid. So we're going to stick with Jerry. Things have really gotten bad as Ron was close to punching his arm through a window, but stopped after Leslie told him he'd slice up his arm. Anything would be better than sitting and talking about his feelings for the next 10 hours. The two go back and forth like children about how they'll get out, but then Leslie angrily destroys the baby monitor that they were supposed to use to call Ben when and if they made up. After a little bit, Leslie begins commenting on how the Parks Department office is so, how, eh, how much different the Parks Department office is now that Craig has taken over. Meanwhile, Ron is shown whittling something. After Ron tells Leslie he will sit in silence for 10 hours instead of talking, she tries to crack him in a really funny montage where Leslie does the following things to try to break him. Smacking him on the back, constantly saying, talk to me, 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 talk to me. Holding a fan up to his face, just blowing it literally right next to his head like, talk to me! Uh, also dropping water onto his beard through a straw. So it's almost like Chinese uh, water torture, but she just has the, you know, she 
dip the straw in, plug the back end with her finger. And so it's holding the water. So she's just slowly kind of like lifting her finger to let the water drip down. So it's just like annoyingly just on his beard. And Ron's sitting in the same spot this whole time, just like annoyed. Um, then she starts, uh, she starts talking shit about woodworking. She's like, eh, wood's stupid. Uh, I think it's dumb. And so does everyone else. <laughs> Ron loves plastic. And the best thing is that Ron's genuinely getting angry about this. Like when she says Ron loves plastic, he's actually like, mm, like he's trying so hard not to break. And then um, the last thing, well, sorry, the second to last thing she does, she completely cover, covers Ron in post-it notes. This reminded me of um, the, the DVD, I guess, and movie box or movie poster for the movie Office Space. Great movie, one of my favorites, uh, one of the greatest comedies ever made. But anyway, on the cover of that, there's a character called Milton in the movie who's really squirrely and he's like a Jerry type. But on the cover of the box, he's completely covered in. I, I believe it's him. I would. I, I I don't even know if you can see his face. I don't recall. But anyway, completely covered in post-it notes. So Leslie does that to Ron, and then you know she's like, "Huh? You gonna tell me? You gonna tell me?" And like the last thing that's open is his mouth, and then she just sticks the post-it note over that so the thing that finally gets ron to break though is when leslie tries singing along to billy joel's we didn't start the fire jerry's choice oh that's right and i'm gonna sing along and i'm gonna maintain eye contact the whole time and guess what i don't know the words harry truman was the guy america red china all the countries other people everyone is fun Joe Montana, E. McKellen, I have to buy a new toaster. This is awesome. You're so stupid jumping up and down. Woo! Oh, I got it on repeat. Tamara, you want to hear it again or you want to talk? No? Okay, next verse. Freddy Krueger fought some pants. Oprah has a turtle farm. Peter Piper, pee-pee-poopy. Daddy ate a squirrel. Uh, side note for this, actually. So right before, the reason she plays that song is she goes in and she finds an old... Uh, a boom box that they used for uh, some kind of party where all the parks department employees got to pick their favorite song. So that was the one Jerry picked go figure. It's like one of the most annoying songs ever created, but it also is one of the catchiest songs and it will definitely stick in your head uh, for hours after you hear it. So you're welcome for that. Um, I, I'm kind of um, neutralized to it by now or desensitized. We'll say, yeah, not neutralized desensitized to that song because I've listened to it numerous times, just trying to get through this podcast so uh a side note here actually leslie mentions that ron's favorite song is buddy by willie nelson and we do hear this song later in the episode as well as ron's flash forward in the series finale one last ride after leslie tells him that he is the new director of uh that that beautiful park and as he's just he, he's peacefully uh rowing away in his uh canoe or sailboat or pontoon whatever it is i think it's just a canoe but that song you know come with me buddy like that but willie nelson does it a little bit better so anyway um ron swanson is a huge willie nelson fan so back to leslie and ron he has decided that he will speak with her for three minutes she's still a bit confused as to how their friendship turns so hostile so quickly so naturally, she draws a flowchart to help explain everything to both Ron and us, the viewer. She explains that three years ago, she accepted the National Parks job, and this was the start of them seeing less of each other. Three months after that, April went to work for Leslie. Then another three months passed, and Ron paid Leslie an unexpected visit at her new office for the first time. They talked for a little bit, 
Then next thing Ron knew, Leslie was gone for a week. When she came back, Ron had quit the parks department and started his own building company. Leslie explains that she was a little surprised. He just up and quit, but assumed it was inevitable. Then two months later, Morningstar. That's what Leslie does. She slams the table and she's like, Morningstar. Actually, she slams the board. <clears throat> we had heard the, the name Morningstar mentioned a few times in the episodes leading up to this one, but we were never told what it was. It turns out that Morningstar is the name of the apartments and building development that were built right next to Pawnee Commons, which is where Anne's old house was, meaning her house needed to be torn down. Naturally, Leslie was pissed off. Ron does make a good point, though, saying that Anne hasn't lived in that house for five years. Leslie, mostly, Leslie is mostly upset, though, because Ron didn't have the guts or decency to tell her he was part of the construction. So I kind of see both of their and we'll get more like because right now we still don't understand why Ron did this, especially knowing that that's where Anne's house was and that it was going to be bulldozed. But he does have a good point there. It's like she hasn't lived there for five years. Do we do Does that house need to just stay there? You know, because Leslie starts giving off some kind of like irrational excuses. Like, well, that's the first place that April and Andy met, you know, and I like Ron is probably like, who the hell cares? Like, good. You know, they can still go back to the corner of that house and be like, this is where we met, you know, because it's just a small house and it doesn't need to be there, you know, and especially since Ann and Chris don't live there anymore. Who cares? So after hearing Leslie rip into him, Ron's watch timer goes off and he tells her it's been three minutes, then uses the key that he whittled <laughs> to open his old office door where he locks Leslie out. Pretty damn amazing. Because, uh, yeah, he, he gets up and she's like, did you whittle a key? So he made a wooden key. It's just amazing. As the night goes on, Leslie now has a list of things that she's reading off to Ron, trying to figure out why he's still mad and what got him to that point. Is it that I sent you a birthday card through the U.S. mail so the post office knew your address? No, go away. Oh, is it because I had food and stuff temporarily shut down due to a health code violation? That was you? They had fresh produce out right next to the roach spray. The name of the store is Food and Stuff. They sell food and they sell stuff. If you don't like it, go to that new place, Complete Food. It's called Whole Foods. And is that really the reason? No. So <clears throat> Ron has now finally come out of his old office, but not the talk. He's looking for something and has found it. The partially defused Claymore mine that sat on his desk for so long. Leslie is the one who gave it to him 10 years ago, and now he plans on blowing the door open with it. When he ignites the mine, it pops, but with confetti, balloons, and a rendition of, for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow. Leslie got it for Ron on his fifth year as parks director. This upsets Ron even more since he's had essentially a toy on his desk for 10 years. But then Leslie makes him sound stupid when she asks, did you really think you had an active mine on your desk this whole time? I love the Claymore mine because really the biggest, the most significant thing that happened with that was, um, again, I don't recall the episode, but it was when the whole department was gone except for Ron. And there was the there was a, a class field trip that was going on in uh, City Hall. And there was one little girl that came into the parks department just asking if anyone was in there. And Ron was like, uh, yeah, you know, someone will someone will help you soon. And then he just goes back into his office and then he comes back out later and she's still sitting there. And he's like, 
all right, you know, like, what's your project on? And she's like, why government is good. And he's like, really? <laughs> you know, is really? And then he uh, he starts hanging out with her for a little bit. And a really, really uh, a cool kind of storyline going on there with Ron interacting with this little girl. Because we haven't really seen, actually, throughout the whole series, we don't really see Ron interact with kids until he meets Diane. Uh, that I can, or no, there's the Pawnee Rangers, I guess. So yeah, he does. But Ron's really, really gruff around kids, obviously. So anyway, he has like a really good conversation with this little girl. And when she's getting ready to leave, he's really excited. And he's like, wait, hold on. He's like, I I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to hold on to this, but here you go. And he gives her the Claymore mine, which later on in the episode, her mom shows back up and she's pissed off, obviously. And she's like, you gave her a landmine? And he's like, well, it, it seemed right at the time. <laughs> so it was obviously like a terrible thing to do to give a child any kind of weapon, even if it's like fake or def defused, because he didn't know that, you know, he knew it was partially defused. And then um, so, yeah, he takes it back and she's like, and you also ate her sandwich, which is uh, he goes he's trying to explain how taxes work. So he eats like half of her food and he's like, this is what the government gets. And anyway, you guys have seen it. So, okay. Where are we at here? All right. So at this point, Ron angrily goes back into his old office, locking the door again. Hours later, Ron exits his office to find Leslie with thousands of documents scattered all over the place. She even has her trademark crazy person whiteboard with years of events documented. And I say trademark because there's an episode, uh, I believe it, it's it's either right before or right after this one when Leslie is, or no, you know what, it might be season six, but Leslie is going over, she has a giant whiteboard and, and it's her, she's writing down topics to discuss with Anne for when they talk on the phone next time. And yeah, it, the episode starts off with Ben just walking in and he's like, oh, babe, you've gone crazy because... You know, when you see in the movies with serial killers and stuff, and there's always the information wall. And I got that from um, the YouTube channel, New Rockstars, because whenever they do the, the the MCU breakdowns, information walls. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, it's anytime someone has like pictures of of random people everywhere with like, you know, like the red tax with or the, the tax with like the red yarn connecting thing. And you see them in like FBI offices and stuff like that. But yeah, so. Anytime there's like an information board like that, it's always fun to kind of stop on those and like pause. And I looked a little bit at this one and I mean, there are some stuff. It's like the election or it's like the court trial of 2009, stuff like that. So, I mean, like it goes back a while, like they were pretty thorough with this. I didn't look at the whole thing, but that'd be kind of cool to actually screenshot that and break it down a little bit. So uh, anyway. Among these documents are Leslie's original application with Ron's first impressions of her. It's only three short lines, but Ron basically said she'd be a horrible fit and that the two should would butt heads on everything. It also said, hire her. Just then there's a sound and Leslie and Ron excitedly run over to a window and we see our favorite custodian again, rocking out to Shania Twain's Go totally crazy. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. So <clears throat> we talked about this guy a few episodes back in uh, the little Sebastian episode when they're doing the moment of silence. And all of a sudden you hear the, the garbage cart like <sighs> come wheeling in. And the guy, he always has his little Walkman or whatever it is, his AM FM radio. He always has it just strapped to his belt. 
And he's like in the first time, you know, he's collecting the garbage as they're trying to have the moment of silence. And then Leslie finally gets pissed off and she's like, we're good. She, she just takes it from him and he leaves. But in this one, yeah, he's in the uh, office on the other side of the courtyard. And yeah, this guy's just rocking out. He's dusting and he's dancing. And it's so good because, uh, again, I, I said on that episode, the last one, the, the or not the last one, but the little Sebastian one. I wasn't able to find who this actor was because they didn't have him listed on IMDb. So I'm not positive it's the same actor, but we know it is definitely the same character at least. So I, I really love that, um, that they brought him back. And the first time I saw that, it was just like, no way! Like, hell yeah, that's so good. And it's so perfect under these circumstances as this guy probably wouldn't have been told not to intervene. So he probably would have let them out if he saw him. However, they can't get his attention. And um, you hear Ron yell a couple funny things. He's yelling, trying to get the guy's attention. He's like, come on. He's like, I'll do anything. I'll watch a foreign film. I'll talk to a man with a ponytail. <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous, but funny. So um, yeah, he doesn't see them. They don't get his attention. So they're still stuck. So as the night progresses, Ron becomes more willing to talk, but still isn't giving up information easily. They talk a little more about how Leslie's interview went, and you find that Ron didn't really like Leslie, but respected the hell out of her. He also tells her he hired her because of the brownies she included with an apology letter to Ron for yelling at him in her interview, which is funny because he reads, yeah, she literally sent him just like a Hallmark card after that, and it was like, Dear Mr. Swanson, I'm sorry for how I acted. Da, 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 da. And then the last sentence is, if you hire me, I promise to never yell at you again. And it's so funny when Ron reads that. He's like, well, that's not true. And she's like, yeah, yeah, well, whatever. But anyway, she included brownies with that. And um, obviously he's being facetious, but he kind of like smirks. And he's like, that's probably why I hired you. Like a nice dig, you know, because she's so proud of everything she does. And it's like, no, it was the brownies that got you the job. So I like that. Okay, so... <sighs> to be honest, at this point, it's starting to get kind of silly how childish Ron is acting. Like they'll be talking and they'll find they'll be fine for one minute. Then Ron gets up and pulls the fire alarm, which triggers the sprinklers, but not the fire department, because apparently the alarms were disconnected because April kept pulling them. He pulls it and the two get soaked, forcing them to change into some old clothes they found lying around the office. Most notably, Ron wearing Craig's yoga outfit. I don't think this could happen, the the fire alarm thing, because especially in a government building, again, I know it's played for laughs and it was funny at the time, but yeah, thinking about it, there's no way the fire department would just defuse an alarm like that. They can't. I mean, even if someone is constantly crying wolf. And again, I know this working uh, at working at a school, when the fire alarm's pulled, the fire department comes. You get charged for it though. So the so if the if the parks department, you know, if April kept doing that. You would think they would have worked something out where it's just like, you know what, Miss Ludgate, you are paying the the because it, it costs like a couple hundred bucks. I'm 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 guessing or like I, what I think I've I've heard, but I'm not positive. Every time the fire department has to respond to a fire alarm, because we've had it yeah, again at the school, we've had situations where like they're either doing testing, not testing, because you can call the alarm company and have them turn it turn it off. But there was one time where one of the theater uh, the theater department was putting on a play and they kept running fog machines that kept setting off the fire alarm. So I remember one night they were doing a haunted house and we had the fire department there like three times in like a two hour period. And it was just like people were getting so pissed off and it's like, turn the damn fog machines off, you know, because 
again, you get charged for that every time. And it really looks bad because it's almost like you're crying wolf. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's funny, but I don't think that they would have deactivated an alarm like that. So finally, Leslie gets Ron to open up. Here we go. Here's the meat of it. He tells her that once she left the parks department, Jerry and April eventually, eventually went with her. Tom and Donna had both also left by this point to run their respective businesses. One day, Ron looked up and realized he didn't know anyone in the office and made a rash decision. He went to Leslie's new office, as I discussed earlier. However, we find out this time that Ron missed his friends and was going to ask Leslie for a job. So this is uh, this is also like this is where we find out that Larry is now Terry again. Who cares? But I guess it's kind of significant because it's a name change. Ron asks Leslie out to lunch and the two decide tomorrow, 1230 at JJ's. However, Leslie immediately gets a call that she has to be in D.C. tomorrow and forgot to tell Ron, essentially standing him up. So that's what we were talking about before when Ron came into Leslie's office and they talked a little bit. And then the next thing he knew, she was gone. So at this point, it's kind of like a little like he's he's doing a narration telling her, you know, everything that happened, you know, about how he didn't know anyone and how all his friends were gone. And then it showed like a scene of him sitting at JJ's by himself. And, the you know, the server came by and asked him something. And he's like, no, thanks. So it's just it is kind of sad. You see Ron like at one of his lowest moments. I mean, like, it's not like this is low for him because he's going to beg for an even more government job because Leslie works for the National Park Service. So now Ron would be shifting from private sector to like national. So, um, okay, where are we at? Where are we at? Okay, so Ron asks Leslie out to lunch, which I already said. Okay, so she's in D.C. and then, and then, and then, so this is where she finds out that Ron never got to ask her for a job because they never met up. At that point, Ron felt no need to explain himself to anyone and just quit the parks department. He says that he does not regret, or sorry, he said that he did regret not telling anyone and having Ann's house bulldozed was a mistake, but that he was just tired of working for the government. Again, I still don't think the Ann thing, I mean, like, again, him not telling Leslie, fine, but him bulldozing the house, again, whatever, that's, that's how the world works. Over the next few hours, the two find some old boxes and documents from their days in the department and try to recreate the office. There's a montage of them drinking whiskey, cleaning up, and finding some relics, including the coffee maker that Ron broke years ago uh, with the amazing cold open, which is probably my favorite one. Actually, I don't know. The Ron Tooth one, the one that won on Parks Rec memes, that one is very good. But the broken coffee machine is so amazing because, yeah, it's where it starts off and they're all sitting around the machine and Ron's just like, who broke it? And no one says anything. And he's like, it was working fine. And now it's not. So just tell me who broke it. And like Leslie, she's trying to confess just to get this over with. She's like, I did. And you're like, no, 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 you didn't. And it turns out that Ron's the one who broke it and that he he burnt his hand. So he got pissed off and he broke the pot. And then the only reason he was doing this is because he said that it was getting too chummy in the office and people were getting too close. So he had to bring them back down to uh, being enemies. So it worked well. Um, we, we also found... April's terrifying mural from season two, the one with the rat uh, wheel, <laughs> the mouse wheel and like the fat guy eating raw beef and the, the looped footage of a knee surgery. And then uh, also Ron's framed bacon and eggs poster, which he had, which actually 
He replaced that with, or the, the Bobby Knight poster that he had in season one was eventually replaced with the, the bacon and eggs one. I don't know if they did that more just because like they wanted to lean more into Ron's character being obsessed with breakfast like Leslie is, or I don't know if, if it had something to do with that Bobby Knight poster. But if you'll recall in season one, actually in the very first episode, maybe not the first episode, but when they're, you're getting to know Ron even more. And he talks about how one of his idols is Bobby Knight. And he's like, Bobby Knight and points to the, to the poster on the wall. So, um, yeah. So at this point, Ron and Leslie have made up because Leslie, you know, she understands what happened and Ron realized that he was kind of childish about it. And yeah, that's basically what it came down to is that Ron just missed his friends and he took drastic measures and just kind of, you know, he, he was, I think he, he was definitely at fault for this whole thing. Leslie made a mistake by standing him up, but I mean, it was an honest mistake. She just forgot. Ron could have called her. I don't know what happened there, like, or why there was no communication, but like, why didn't Ron call or text her? He does have a phone at this point. <laughs> he didn't up until like season five, but when he met Diane, so I don't know. So anyway, the next morning when 8 a.m. rolls around, the former Parks Department, including Donna, Jerry, Tom, April, Andy, and Craig, who is actually now the present uh, director of the Parks Department, have come to let Leslie and Ron out. They are shocked to see the two getting along mightily and listening to Billy Joel. Ron somehow has his sax, and the two are jamming out like besties. This is um, one of the funny parts, and it's actually the the one that I chose for the the icon for this episode on the on Spotify. When Leslie and Ron, again, they're listening to We Didn't Start the Fire, and Ron is playing his saxophone along with it. Why the hell is Ron's saxophone there? I don't, like, obviously he didn't go get it out of his car because they couldn't get out. So again, funny and a nice callback. You know, it's like, hey, Duke Silver, but why is there a saxophone in there? Why would he? I mean, we do know that Andy, when Andy caught Ron eventually being Duke Silver, Ron threw the the saxophone in the garbage, but then Andy fished it back out for him. And we saw that Andy or uh, Ron would use it again as Duke Silver. So again, it doesn't make any sense that the saxophone is in the parks department. However, the funny part I was talking about is when the rest of the parks department is all confused, like, so are you guys okay? And Leslie actually stands up on a chair and sticks out her butt. And Ron's like, like he does like a toot sound with the the sack so it's really funny and you see andy like in the background cracking up like it's the funniest thing he's ever heard and then even donna too surprisingly she's like like keeled over laughing um okay so the rest of the crew is surprised but delighted to see the two have made up except craig who is mad about the changes they have made to the office as well as the fact that ron is wearing and stretching out the bands on his yoga pants which, in my opinion, is uh, a subtle callback to season four, the episode when Ron, uh, Chris tells Ron that he has to meditate with him. So Ron goes into Anne's office and he asks her, he's like, be honest with me. He's like, how, how is the, the yoga? Like, what, what, what should I expect? And she's like, oh, let me be honest with you. Uh, you're going to want to kill yourself. It's like the worst two hours. It's so boring. And then as he's like getting ready to leave, she just kind of piles it out a little more. And she's like, do you want to borrow my yoga pants? So I like that again, probably not planned, but it'd be funny to put those two together. Like, do you want to borrow my yoga pants? And him just like angrily walking out and then showing him wearing Craig's. Granted, they're not yoga pants. Like they're, well, they're male yoga pants. So they're more like kind of like sweatpants without the bands at the bottom. But 
uh, yeah, it is funny because it's a bright yellow suit and, um, yeah, he just looks ridiculous in it, but it, it's, it's re really funny. So, all right. So that is the episode. And now we jump into the cold close. So later that afternoon, afternoon, later that afternoon, April tells Leslie that she's rescheduled all the meetings today because as she says, Leslie is somehow both drunk and hungover at the same time at 2 PM. Then Ron enters the office to Leslie's delight. He gives her an amazing gift. See, Ron being the sneakster he is, saved the front door from Anne's old house and made Leslie a beautiful picture frame out of it. Naturally, Leslie feels the need to pay back Ron's gift, so she takes him out to breakfast. April, Ron and I are going to JJ's to eat too much breakfast food. Why does anybody in the world ever eat anything but breakfast food? People are idiots, Ron. So that is the end of the episode, Leslie and Ron. Okay, so I'm going to jump into um, some of my highlights, things I liked about the show, maybe a couple things I didn't, and my final thoughts on the episode. Uh, so I do like that this was a full-on Ron and Leslie episode, and I do think that this, that's why this one is so popular, because granted, you do get to see the parks, the, the rest of the, the staff, in the beginning of the episode and at the end of the episode. And then you get the wonderful appearance by the, the custodian right there in the middle. However, this episode is literally like 95% just Ron and Leslie. So I think um, obviously those two being the most popular characters on the show. Uh, that was a good one. Also, this one was kind of uh, probably a little bit easier to follow because it was just a story focused on those two. And I wasn't jumping back and forth. Um, the custodian from before, like who I just mentioned, I love that. That's one of my favorite callbacks in the entire series. Uh, one, just like how into this song this guy is. And then also that, uh, well, from two, season two to season seven, which was, you know, you that would be a regular five-year gap. But then you also add the three years on top of that. So eight years and this guy still listening to the same Shania Twain song, which is amazing because like, like I said, it looks like he has like a Walkman unless this is on because that's definitely not a Discman or or maybe it's a really big MP3 player. I have no idea. But yeah, it looks to me more like a Walkman. So it makes it even funnier. One that he's listening to uh, cassettes this late in life, uh, especially when you've seen like the other kind of technology that Grizzle has offered in the show. So, again, I just I, I really love that. Um, I think it's hilarious that Ron whittled a key from memory. He remembered what his actual key looked like when he worked at the parks department. So it's been like three years. And also the fact that he whittled a key, well, obviously with wood, if he was whittling it, the fact that the key was strong enough to not like break off in the door. That's just incredible to me. And it's hilarious. It's, it's highly ridiculous, but it's amazing. And then um, I love that the fight is finally over because as I've mentioned before, I was never a fan of this whole angle of Ron and Leslie being enemies. I guess it was kind of like them just rolling the dice, like let's see how it goes. And this episode was highly successful. So in the end, it it you know it was fun. And I guess it was it was kind of nice to see a different side of the show where your two best friends on the show basically, besides Leslie and Anne, but like Leslie and Ron the two most important friends, let's say like their friendship. But yeah. Um, and, and, and again, I've said like, like I didn't like it. So as far as this episode though, I'm not as big a fan as, of it as everyone else is apparently. Um, 
when I saw this was a 9.6 on IMDb, I was just like, oh my God. Like, and I really think that has a lot to do with the whole just Leslie and Ron aspect, which is what the show, the episode's called. However, um, yeah, this one, this, this episode, I think of all the ones that we have listed uh, in this, the legacy episodes, probably my least favorite. Um, it's not a bad episode. I mean, like, I don't think it's definitely not like one of my least favorite parks episodes, but I don't know. I probably would have picked a different one to go in here if it was up to me. I don't know which episode, but, um, maybe one of the finales, like one last rider moving up, which I don't think made the list, but huh, we'll see. So, um, anyway, let's jump into some IMDB trivia. Okay. And again, if you are new to the show, this is just, um, for these legacy episodes, just going on IMDb and checking the trivia section, seeing if there's anything in here that they have that I missed. And this one's got some pretty good ones. So here we go. In Summer Catalog, which is uh, season three, Leslie says to Ron, why would anyone eat anything other than breakfast foods? Ron replies, people are idiots, Leslie. In this episode, Ron asks the same question to Leslie, to which she replies, people are idiots, Ron. We literally just heard that two minutes ago or when, however long ago it was when I played that clip. So that was funny. I actually, um, I had that in my mind, but I couldn't remember exactly when she said it because uh, I know that was a callback to um, when he asked her the question and she, you know, so. The song the janitor is listening to, man, I feel like a woman by Shania Twain is the same as the one the janitor is listening to in Lil Sebastian, which is also season three, when he interrupts the moment of silence the Parks and Rec department is having. So I always thought the show, the song was called Go Crazy, but it, man, I feel the best part about being. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay, so uh, maybe I was wrong with the song name, but either way, for the Parks and Rec mixtape Jerry chose, We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Joel's ex-wife, Christy Brinkley, plays Terry's wife, Gail. Huh, that's a good one. I didn't think of that. I love that. The room where the janitor is cleaning would have been Mark's old office. So, yeah, um, if you'll recall the episode where Mark and Ron got into the argument about Ron's wood shop, at the end of the episode, when, when Mark finally came over and helped him with it, and then Ron made him this beautiful canoe, they looked at each other through the windows across the courtyard. And that's what Ron does like the, the fist and Ron, um, Mark gives him like a thank you. So yeah, I didn't think of that. I like that. The mural that the staff creates in season two episode, the camel is visible in this episode. Yeah. That's what I talked about with uh, April's, but actually no, that um, I forgot April's was visible, but remember they fused them together. So it also had Michael Jackson moonwalking into the fire. <laughs> and remember that? Like, yeah, there was that, uh, the, from the, the Pawnee bread fire, uh, bread, uh, ugh, the bread factory fire. Sorry. And then Donna had the one with all the famous people from Indiana. And there were some people that she didn't even know were from Indiana. And like one of them was Ron. And then another one was like just her friend. <laughs> so it was like the last supper. Um, so yeah, remember they, they fused them all together and they made, uh, the camel, which is the name Mark gave it. Okay. Moving on. Ron surprises Leslie in the end with the frame made from Anne's house front door Anne's house's front door, which brings Leslie to tears. This isn't the first time though, that he salvaged a part of Anne's house for Leslie's sake, since he also forged Leslie and Ben's wedding rings from a sconce in their home. That's an amazing whoever figured that out, that's well, not figured it out. But I mean, like 
that that's a go- really good callback. It's like, yeah, that's right. Cause yeah, when Les- uh, Leslie and Ben were about to get married, Ron literally just ripped the sconce off the wall. <laughs> Remember? And he like melted it down. So good. And I mean, they, they show the process of him doing this. It's incredible. Incredible. He uses like a waffle maker to kind of use the ring shape. And then he like sands them down and everything. And he's like, the whole thing took about 20 minutes, which that's incredible. Like 20 minutes for that. No way. But it is hilarious. The song We Didn't Start the Fire was also parodied in The Office, which has the same showrunners, by Dwight in the episode The Fire. And that's after Ron, uh, not Ron, sorry, Ryan leaves his hot pocket in the toaster and it burns and a small fire starts. Ron once again refers to Anne as the nurse while talking to Leslie, which eh, he does that a lot throughout the episode. And um, it pisses Leslie off sometimes because she knows he knows his name, but he still calls her the nurse anyway. There is a question mark sticker Leslie has made for her recall election stuck to the wall being cleaned by the janitor. That was from when, remember, yeah, it was like, recall, nope, question mark, don't. And then April's like, why don't you just put don't in front of, or maybe it was uh, Donna, but it's like, why don't you just put dope or don't in front of the recall, nope. So it says don't recall, nope. She's like, yeah, it's a good idea. But then April said to Leslie, she's like, oh, I'm going to borrow these question marks. And she said she's going to put them all over the stop signs in Pawnee, <laughs> which would be great. And be like, stop? You know, I'm Ron Burgundy? Okay. The mock-up of Morningstar in Ron's office features nods to previous episodes with logos for Norton's Building, which is the company Mark goes to work for after season two, and Reston St. James, who designed the Pawnee Commons. Uh, I don't recall what those logos look like, so I, I can't really be like, yep, they're totally right on that one because I have no idea. So anyway, that is the trivia section of this episode. Um, and actually, this is a short episode, my friends, because that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Remember, if you'd like to contact the show, Citizens of Pawnee at gmail.com is how you can reach me. Please send me some emails. <laughs> I'm sorry to sound desperate again, but I haven't read an email from you guys in like two months and I'm getting lonely and bored. And um, just send me an email. Tell me how the weather is where you're living. And, you know, like here in Illinois, it's we're still living in a vast desert wasteland because we just, I don't know, today is actually nice. There's a nice breeze. I'm looking at my neighbor's um, patio, like their deck umbrella moving around a lot so that's good got some good good wind there and there's a lot of birds outside so it is very nice and pleasant but it has just been so damn hot here all of our grass is like fried and my front yard's like yellow with white patches everywhere i feel like i live in uh, like nevada there's a bird knocking on the window right now no joke it's a little sparrow it's cute oh anyway either that or it just ran into the window but um <laughs> sorry so citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can reach me. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you get your podcast now. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Next week, I will be discussing Season 2, Episode 10, Hunting Trip. Now, this one is a great episode. This one I actually endorse. I love this one a lot. So I'm excited about doing that one. So again, thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I will see you next week. Ben Wyatt's favorite beer is... 
Miller Lite.